the Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is the Challenge of the Super Friends. Well, you're saying it wrong. Green Lantern. Yeah, Mark Wade taught us this week. I didn't catch this when we were recording it, but I did while I was editing that Green Lantern can be used as a verb. And but, but what does it mean? So there's a part but in the episode we, we watched 1978's Challenge of the Super Friends, and there's a part in the episode where we're talking about how Green Lantern uh, forms some anchors to hold the Legion yeah. of Doom's ship to the ground. But Mark says he's going to Green Lantern up some anchors. (laughs) And it made me really happy that Green Lantern can be used as a verb in that way. I I suppose it it could be. I mean, most things can be a verb if you try hard enough. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but uh, Mark Wade was on the show. He's a a famed comic book writer who's known for a really famous DC series called Kingdom Come. And he wrote a Daredevil series and he writes on Archie. And uh, he wrote uh, a, a series called uh, Irredeemable, which had a companion series yeah. called Incorruptible. There, there's a talk he, in this episode about how there may be an Irredeemable movie someday. And he, he writes about all your favorites, Batman, Superman, Jughead, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he was really fun to talk to, and uh, this cartoon is really great. You'll hear us talk about that a lot. Um, yeah, but, Mark is definitely like the most educated guest on our, our topic. He, he was really informative and really interesting. He had a lot of great things to say. Yeah, he actually points out at one point that he's been in the comic book industry longer than you and I have been alive. That, that's true. So he's a veteran. 15 years now. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, before we did this that you really wanted to get in some topical information about Pokemon Go. Yeah, well, you know... Thing, things have been kind of rocky lately in the world, well, in America. Things and, are rough. Um, There's been a lot of bummer news and a lot of tension we, and anger. And We need something to unite the people. So that, like, helps ease... I mean, it's a, a poor consolation for, uh, you know, murder and... Well, there's. I've seen a lot of talk on the internet about how it's really uniting people because people are out walking around and meeting strangers yeah. who are also playing the game. So, I mean, it's not oh, only I, getting you exercise. I, played, I went out and played last night just walking around and seriously ran into, like, 20 people playing. Yeah, which brings me to why I haven't played, which is I've heard so much about the servers that I haven't even tried yet. It, it has been... A little bothersome, but anyway, we'll we'll talk about Pokemon Go like in depth on an episode later. But I, I just wanted to mention that it's out there, and I've been having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. It works. And then I I wanted to mention that I'm calling you tonight from lovely Newton, Iowa. I just came from the casino downstairs where I got to do some wonderful people watching. Um, I can imagine that being people watching in an Iowa casino <laughs> is top notch. <laughs> it it was it was quite fun. Um, so I don't think there's anything else to hit on, but uh, we really hope people enjoy this episode. Speaking of hitting on things, it's time for you to get back downstairs to that casino floor. <laughs> Definitely. I uh, I have some large ladies and moo-moos waiting for me. Mm. Smoking through uh, holes in their neck. 
those big winners, you know? <laughs> I think I'm going to be the big winner. All right. Maybe you can, <laughs> maybe you can get yourself a sugar mama. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to this, and please enjoy this episode. Have fun, guys. Pour a bowl of cereal and turn on the TV. I'm watching my cartoons, please don't bother me. I could grow up tomorrow, pay the bills and be responsible. But today it just doesn't feel possible. Let's talk about life and death and everything between. Things that keep you up at night and idiosyncrasy. Public bathroom etiquette and matches you can't see. Girls needs to know where the nature of reality. Let's talk about life and death and everything between. Breakfast foods and bad times and cartoons on the TV. Breakfast foods and bad times and cartoons on the TV. I could exclusively talk about this cartoon. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to talk about anything else no. because I loved every minute every of Every second of this. It was fantastic. There's so many things, and I don't know where we could even begin, but I'll jump in with this. Every time there was any kind of problem or conflict that came up, it was just like, well, here's the solution. And yep. then everyone was on board with that, and yep. that's what we went with and, right and away. Works. And it, and it works. works every time. Good guys, bad guys, whatever solution they pitch. Yeah. Just the good guys had a solution in the last moments of the episode, and they're like, well, I guess you won. Yeah, like, they were closer to the credits. <laughs> they didn't even really, because if you think it's Superman says, I will, I will come up with a plan on the way. Yeah. I, that's really, that is not a good strategy. We'll yes. come up with a plan during this commercial break. Yeah. Yeah. And it will definitely, definitely work. On the first try. <laughs> yes. right. This is 1978. The bar was not set very high for quality for cartoons. It was... This was... Seriously, this is the first cartoon I was ever really excited about as a kid because, I, you know, earlier cartoons had been kind of like the comics, but not very much like the comics. I mean, the Super Friends wasn't really like the Justice League, and where was, you know, Green Arrow, and where was, you know, where where was Flash, and where were all these characters? This was the first time they got a chance to do the Justice League on television, and it's terrible, but I was <laughs> I was 14. What did I know? You know and and you, you mentioned that in series previous to this, yeah. the villains they were fighting... Oh, the villains they were fighting before this were all misguided scientists. Every single one. 16 episodes, and every single one ep- episode ended with them going, well, I've seen the error of my ways in trying to climb and control the world. <laughs> I've seen the error of my ways in trying to get and aliens I, to come here. I think we know that's not realistic. I've seen the error of my ways in trying to steal all Earth's copper. And uh, that's, that's, that's what it... That would, and this was at least there were villains. And they looked like the villains in the cartoons. They didn't... Or the comics. They didn't have, you know, they didn't have much of a personality. And as you see, at least three of them didn't even have speaking lines. Yeah. <laughs> and some of the heroes didn't have no, any lines either. No. Samurai, the guy in the green, the Asian guy, not a word. You can't get this many characters into one show. Well, I, the thing that I thought was funny about the, the dialogue is that there is none. It's, yeah. it's all monologues of each yeah. character narrating to themselves... Oh, yeah. What, what they're, they're doing. about to do, and like there's scenes where there's no one around, just one person, and he's like, "Here is what I am doing now. Yeah. I am about to fix this machine." Like, are they at home? Like, I have spread the perfect layer of peanut butter on the piece of bread. Oh yeah, and now I am opening the jelly jar. At which point, I plan to spread jelly on. Oh the- yeah, it's all exposition. This is like this is like radio. I mean, you really you could watch this entire episode, you, you and you wouldn't have you would just listen to it in the background. You would still get oh, all definitely. the story. Everything also, is right there. 
for 1978, the yeah. voice acting is very radio play. Oh yeah, but that mm-hmm. would, but in all seriousness, that was we were still coming off of. It's pretty wooden. Radio was still like only 20 years gone, 15 years right, gone at that right. point. So guys, the the voice actors of the time were very much doing that sort of like Green Lantern doing his very baritone narration voice. Well, a lot of voice actors at that time probably were old radio people yeah, because exactly. there hadn't been like a voiceover culture developed yet outside of no, radio. No, I mean honestly, I mean Saturday morning cartoons were still a relatively f- new mm-hmm. phenomenon. They didn't there were no Saturday morning cartoons before about 66. Right. And, and then this is 78. That's not that yeah. long after Saturday was invented in 67. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, also, there seems to be about uh, five sound effects, and then we're oh, yeah. just getting yeah. those. It's like, is the laser like boing? And <laughs> yeah, like, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, okay, I want to talk about just some really fun things from this. I noticed uh, Lex Luthor has a gun called the Hypnotic Anger Ray. Right. Yeah. The, Don't the, doesn't everybody? When well, I yeah. The the rundown of the episode plot here is the bad guys decide to go back in time to prevent the three strongest superheroes from ever becoming part of the super friends. This and is the origin the, of the super friends. And, and then part two is shoot the hypnotic anger ray at the rest of them and make right. them fight. Which part two really makes part one totally unnecessary. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I, unless, you, unless you're under the precept that Superman is not affected by the ray. Yeah. But even still, that is it, a, that's a pretty big buy. It's like... They could have gone back in time and prevented all of these heroes from assembling. But they were like, that's a, that's a lot of time. Lot of like, Do we just have like a ray that it's, I could shoot at him? It's, like, it's, it's an Indian who can grow yeah. to super yeah. size. It's, we, he's, we've taken care of him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, he's, not a, he's not a threat. We, we shot him with the magic gun that makes him mad at other right. people. Uh, one more fun thing from this episode that I couldn't help but write down was uh, that at one point they're examining a computer... You know, to get information yeah. about what the the Dungeon of Doom. What is it? The le- the, the the Hall of Doom. Okay, the Legion. They were the of Doom. Legion of Doom, but they they exist in the Hall of Doom. Right. So they're examining the, the like computer Vader's helmet yeah. Yeah. to get information about the Legion of Doom, and there's just an alert on the screen that says "Trouble Alert." Just yeah. a red screen, yeah. white text, "Trouble Alert." No, yes. no details. <laughs> just like imagine if you got those on the phone, like you said, but "Trouble Alert." But yeah. and it doesn't even tell you like the, it's a flood warning or anything, yeah. a tornado warning. It just says "Trouble Alert." Like I don't know what to do with that. You just like. Be on the lookout. You know, Eyes open, guys. Yep. Head on a swivel. Yep. <laughs> Maybe an active shooter. <laughs> Maybe a broken water main. Right, exactly. But there's we don't trouble. Know. Yeah. Uh, so, Mark, on this podcast, we yeah. usually try to uh, go through the plot of what happened in the episode and just kind of break down. Good you know, luck the, with this one. Yeah. Well, Jack already kind of set up the beginning. Yeah. So, Lex Luthor's plan is they're going to use a time machine to go back and erase Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, and Superman from existence because that will cripple the Super Friends without those three. Right, right. Using the Hall of Doom time conveyor, all we have to do is return through time and alter the past so that Superman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern never get a chance to become super friends. <laughs> then so, all they'll have is Batman, who we know has never caused problems for anyone. Right. <laughs> Although he has a jet that can travel yes. through oh, time. Oh, we're going to get to these things that... Uh, invincible Batman can this do is, with, yeah. but again, this is the this is the least imaginative use of time travel I can imagine. If you oh, could build yeah. a time machine and you were a supervillain, this would seem to be a very long way around the yeah. problem. I, I like step one. Uh, we go back and we prevent Wonder Woman from winning the contest that gets her out. 
in, into the the human world. Right. But then they they say like you know, 20 years prior to that, mm. she was a statue, which seems like the prime time to that take care of her. That would be the best time to take yeah, care of her. Yeah, I mean, pushed that statue off of the ledge. solved. Yeah. yeah. If she was just a garden statue, they would have gone like, ah, oh, some vandals got in here. Yeah. I wanted to mention my favorite thing about the Wonder Woman flashback was the tournament was being contested on horse kangaroos. Yes. yes. <laughs> on on kangas. They are actually, they have a name. They're actually called kangas. They are like half horse, Half kangaroo. And they're very large, much they're, larger than a horse. They're much yeah. larger than a horse. Yes. And much more agile. Yes. So the plan, as also, we said earlier. Also, she fools her mother by wearing a mask. By wearing a domino oh, mask. The tiniest mask. Meanwhile, Cheetah wins the contest, and Hippolyta, who is queen of the Amazons, and they are not an especially big tribe, and they all live on yeah. the same right. island, right. goes to this woman who's, who she's never seen before yeah, right. and says, Congratulations, you have won the tournament, stranger, who yeah. I have never seen before. Let me imbue you with superpowers and yeah. send you on your way. Exactly. When I win this final event, Diana will never become Wonder Woman. I stopped those rays without a scratch. Now to win this tournament. These radar-controlled bracelets will give Diana quite a shock. You are the winner, strongest of the Amazon women. Take this outfit and magic lasso and use them to help fight injustice in the outer world. I've done it. Now I am Wonder Woman. Well, spoilers for what happens next. Jack already pointed this out. The plan works perfectly. Wonder Woman is erased from existence. Yep. yep. Uh, Batman forgets she ever existed. Uh, now we're going to uh, stop Green Lantern from ever becoming... Hal Jordan from ever becoming Green Lantern. Right. Yeah. So test pilot uh, Hal Jordan is uh, about to work on his plane. This part is genius. I know. Yeah. This, by the way, I just want to say, this is in their defense... All three of these origins are straight up from the comics. Like, they didn't change Good. a yeah. single thing. Well, like that, very bare bones. Like that, but yeah. I'm saying that flight simulator, that's mm. the way it looked in the comics. I have a ship that's exactly the way it looked in the comics. So when I was 14, I bought into this whole right. thing. Right, oh, okay. So, okay. so uh, the well, previous Green Lantern, I don't know his name. Abin Sur. Okay, so he his plane crashes for no reason No at reason all. whatsoever. Just crashes well, into the mountains. It, it crashes because he pointed it at a large rock and smacked right <laughs> into it. <laughs> Yeah. So then his ring looks for the most good-natured person nearby. Or the most good-natured flight simulator, apparently. Yeah. Honest, exact, actually, honest and fearless. Those are the honest two qualifications. Okay, two, okay. A Green Lantern must be honest, and a Green Lantern must be completely without fear. And so he was looking for the nearest guy I mean, with that... There are a lot of really awful... Donald Trump is the Green Lantern. I know. Well, like, clearly <laughs> Luther, clearly, you know, exactly. He's like, oh, fearless, hey, everyone. Anyway. So, uh... He he finds Hal Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lex Luthor is there. This I was like, what are we doing? Lex well, Luthor shows up yeah, and says, is, "Hal Jordan, get out, get, get out of there!" And he just complies. He yeah. just gets right out of the plane. Lex Luthor gets in instead. Yeah. Now he's the Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah. or the uh, Green Luthor. Yeah, the yeah. Green Luthor. A few more modifications, and this jet trainer will be turning out top-notch space pilots. Where on earth did this strange green energy come from? Hal Jordan, get out while you can! Now to take his place. I, I love how when he's explaining the powers of the Green Lantern, he just goes, you can control anything that's green. Uh, no, anything, I, I, anything I, that is not yellow. yellow. Yes. And I was like, 
This is something that I don't think has ever been addressed. What happens if a Green Lantern, say Hal Jordan specifically, yeah. were to have liver trouble or of some sort and, yeah. and become himself jaundiced and yellow? Does he lose his powers? Yeah, the ring just falls right yeah. off, I guess. I am. <laughs> it's... There's a million workarounds. So trust me, every single Silver Age Green Lantern story was what kind of yellow menace do we throw at this time? Giant oh. corn. Exactly. <laughs> Chlorine gas. What do we do? Yeah. Uh, so once again, as we laid out, plan works perfectly. No more mm-hmm. Green Lantern. Right. Uh, then we have to remove Superman from existence. So uh, let me let me just interrupt you. Really. Go ahead. Also please. Point out that. That Green, that Luther now has the power of Green Lantern. Yeah. And the yeah, first yeah. thing he does is he changes back into his purple suit <laughs> and deep sixes the ring. Like that's yeah. what, well, this I, is no good. Let's yeah. Just... Fah, fah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, on, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time remembering Superman's home planet right Krypton. now. Krypton. Okay. So on Krypton, uh, Kal El puts uh, Jor-El, Kal-El, Jor-El, Jor-El, Jor-El puts Kal El into the ship, right. and puts sends him Long, away perfectly his fine. Baby off in a rocket, right? Yeah. He's yeah. on a direct path for Earth, and then which the, is apparently an hour and a half away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Legion of Doom comes in and with one laser just completely shoots him off yep. course to a different planet yep. where he will never develop powers, right? And just become a, like that's a great way to crush your enemies. Just like I hope he lives a fulfilling life elsewhere, but our right. paths will not exactly. cross again. He will, be, he will be a mailman. It's very planet. generous. Yes. Yes. Meanwhile, on Earth, uh, people are celebrating uh, the Superman Hawkman Parade Day. No, no, yeah. it's just it's just Superman. It's the Superman oh. Honor Day, like the day of Superman. Right, and Hawkman then he is vanishes. on the float to throw out candy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's yeah. there, just exactly, just to ex- <laughs> just to just to like screen for Superman. He knows yeah. who the main attraction yeah. is. Yeah. So Superman disappears. And suddenly it's, it's Hawkman. It's Hawkman Day, and, and the crowd vanishes. <laughs> a <Yeah>. silence <laughs> falls over the crowd. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so now we're on to Phase Two, which Jack already anger mentioned. Ray, they fight. Yeah, hypnotic anger ray. Use the hypnotic anger ray to take out the rest of the super friends. Uh, they infiltrate the Hall of Doom. They, the computer tells them that there are three super friends that they, they were like, well, we don't yeah. remember these people, right. but the computer says they're real, so they must be. I, I like that the. The act of going back in time and preventing them from becoming the super friends erases them entirely from the memory of all the super friends, right. but not from the other people no. who, who did it. No, like, not from the Legion of Doom. No, they yeah. still not. Bizarro, as you pointed out, Bizarro, still Bizarro, even though there yeah. was oh, no Superman. Oh, yes. yes. His whole identity is constructed Goodness. around being like opposite Superman. Yes. And now there is no Superman, so now he's just a guy. He's just I a am, guy I now. I am Lex Luthor, and I hate the mailman on yes. the planet Venus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... How do we eradicate the Wonder Woman situation? Uh, they just, Flash goes back, I Flash think? Flash goes back in time, as he does. Actually, in the comics, and to be fair, he goes back in time. In the He has time travel powers in the comics. So okay, fair. He goes back to Paradise Island, ignoring the one rule of Paradise Island, which is that no man can set foot on Paradise Island, okay. or else the Amazons all lose their powers. That we kind of gloss oh, over. Okay. We, he probably yeah. never set foot. He just moved so quickly. quickly that there you go. Yeah. Nice. Okay. What are you, a writer in 1978? Is that no, what they could have used me in that room. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think I could have helped <laughs> out a little bit. Believe me, whatever you pitched, they were on board yeah. for Believe it. Believe me, whatever time we have spent talking about the cartoon so far is more, more time than they spent <laughs> thinking it through. And about half as much time as they spent animating it. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so he uh, fixes the problem. Wonder Woman is back into existence. Right. It, and it happens real quick. Problem even, solved. Yeah, yeah, just, we're done. Yeah, in about 15 seconds, they've corrected Every yeah, 
every wrong that was set into motion. Yes. Black Vulcan has to go back first, and, it's, and apparently Black Vulcan, with his lightning powers, can travel through time, yes. as lightning powers would suggest. And, and oh. Batman, with his jet, can yeah, just yeah. also fly through. You know through what, time. Mark? Yeah. As a comic book writer, I yeah. wanted to ask you about this Black Vulcan thing. Yeah. So Hal Jordan is yeah. in the ship. Right. Black Vulcan takes out this a very, like, like l- tactile lightning bolt. Yes. Yeah. And he throws it, and it wraps around the lightning or the the ship as it would. Yeah, and saves the day. I okay. think we all know how lightning works, man. Right. Exactly. My, my question on, is: <laughs> when you're writing notes to yeah. the artist for yeah. the comic that you've written, yeah. have you ever been just like, yeah, just figure it out? Just yes. this is what yes. I want done, and it has always backfired every single time. <laughs> so, yes. You just said, yeah, yeah. Black Vulcan saves. I them didn't somehow. want balloon animals in this panel. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> this is why you have to be very specific, mm. so you, so you don't end up with stuff like this with the guy with a lightning pad. So again, electricity saves the day. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and travels through time. Now, let's talk about Superman being saved because this is this by far is the most bullshit that we've awesome. seen up to this point. So Batman and Robin get into the Batplane and just <laughs> immediately just, travel to outer space. I just realized if Batman has a time-traveling plane, yes. why doesn't he go back and save his parents from getting shot? That's a great question. Yeah, yeah. I, I just said a... they travel into space. They tra- traveled into space and through time. And through time. Okay, so now... Millions of light years through space. Now they're just coasting around in space, which... Jack, you said that they had the top up on the ship. It appeared to me they had the top down. Like, they're cruising convertible (laughs) style. There may be a canopy, there may not be... In a vacuum of space. Yeah, no helmets, and they're just cool, good to go. And I don't even remember what they did, but they saved Superman... The they, sh- they intercepted the shot that right. sent they, him off course. And like mm-hmm. like Mark said, when uh, Superman crash lands on Earth, it plays out exactly like it does in the comics. Yeah, yeah and, 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 in a very abbreviated yeah, version. Very yes. abbreviated. And, and his father just goes, there's a baby. We should take care of him, and let's hide this rocket. And also his name will be Clark, Clark Kent. Kent. And boom, we're on to the next thing. <laughs> yep. yeah, as we know, that's how all babies are named. The exactly. man just calls the shots, yeah, and there's right. no debate. Jonathan! Something just crashed up ahead. Let's have a look. <laughs> it's a baby. He's unhurt. We can hide the rocket and tell the county orphanage we found the child. We'll adopt him and call him Clark Kent. So now the final act of the show is one of the super friends, I don't remember who, is like, well, you we saw this thing 18 minutes ago. I'm just saying, this just didn't stick with you at all. There's a lot of characters. Okay, that's true. And and they don't talk much. No, they do not. One of them says, well, we fixed the problem, but we didn't kick the Legion of Doom's ass this week. So now we got to go over there and And kick ass. And shoot some string around their jets. (laughs) First, we we green lantern up some giant anchors. Yeah. To so put that on their, their Darth floating Vader ship. helmet doesn't fly exactly, away. Uh, and then at least a dozen fighter pilot ships come out of that thing. At mm-hmm. least a dozen, right? And Wonder Woman shoots her silly string at the yeah. jets. <laughs> her magic lasso missiles, right? And, but it literally just just a, a stream of of yarn like shoots out of the yeah. invisible jet and wraps up all the other jets, right? And of course, according to the rules of Wonder Woman with her magic lasso, these jets are now compelled to tell the truth. Yes. So and. Uh, as we already mentioned, all of this came from Superman going, we'll come up with a plan on the way. Right. It, and then here's our plan. It that works perfectly. either speaks very highly of the Super Friends or very, very poorly <laughs> of the Legion of Doom. Yeah. Either way, it works. I can't yeah. remember now if we said this on mic or off, but we were talking about how in the writer's room, it must have just been whatever someone pitched. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah that's what we're going with. Yeah. 
That's they, they flip through the first three pages of each origin comic for these heroes, yeah. and they're like, we got it. Yeah. So Nailed it. Yeah. First try. Case clue. Look, it's 530. <laughs> <laughs> like, traffic gets bad around 6. The wife is making roast tonight. Exactly. I'll be damned if I'm going to get home <laughs> well, and eat a dry, moving. cold roast. And we're still going to spend more time on this yeah. than the animators are. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what other hero comics throughout the years, or sorry, not comics, yeah. cartoons throughout the years have you really enjoyed? All right, so like I, in more recent times, like, like since 1978, I mean, again, and again, I'm not, this has its own camp value. And again, oh, like I, I love said, it. I loved it because I was 14 and it was exactly what comics were mm-hmm. to me. You know, I think the first one I loved after that was the Mighty Mouse cartoon from the, right. the mid 80s, right? Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Right. Um, and after that, I sort of became a little too old for this until then The Simpsons starts the revolution mm-hmm, of adult right. cartoons. And then we get to uh, Invader Zim, which is still the, the mm-hmm. high water mark for me of Nickelodeon cartoons right. ever, ever, ever. Right. Awesome. Uh, well, I think the thing with Mighty Mouse is it was so silly anyways, yeah. the concept of a Mighty Mouse, right. that whereas you say these superhero tropes by your classic favorite characters now you're like well that was kind of silly but Mighty Mouse you're like well it's a mouse I mean it, yeah. it was already silly yeah. so it, it holds up a little bit better it was also just crazier I mean they would just try anything it was just they they took the the brakes off the car and yeah. they just like and it was Ralph Bakshi wasn't it I think I try to remember who we, it was we could pick apart this cartoon and be like Oh well, why does Batman's jet go backwards in time? But with Mighty Mouse, you're like, well, it's about a superhero yeah. mouse. Because that so. was also because that was also John Crick uh training ground before he went on to Ren and Stimpy. So it had that <laughs> same sense. It's true. It had the same sense of 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 bizarre. Anything goes. Let's just pull out all the stops. Right. Doesn't right. have to make sense. It just can be absurd. Yeah. 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 But uh, you know. Ren and Stimpy so very intentionally absurd, you know. Right, it's yeah. like, it's and, and we've we've talked about how there's a couple of cartoons from that era that are just very, 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 very strange, but intentionally so. Yeah, yeah. We just watched uh, Terrible Thunder Lizards. Yeah, which uh, passable Thunder Lizards. That's what we called it. <laughs> um, and when I talked to you yesterday, uh, I have to point out that the thing you said was. Captain Crunch, there is no other. There is no other. That is that is the cereal of choice, especially if you like having the roof of your mouth just torn to shreds. Is uh, <laughs> but I first yeah, off keep, keep a, a like a spitball handy for all the blood. Yeah, <laughs> off to the side. Yeah, yeah. Look, when I you know again that was the stuff when I was a kid. It is pure sugar. It is absolute sugar, and I am already vibrating in place just from a, a bowl. Don't of go stuff. back in time on it. I know. <laughs> what do I look like? I have electricity yeah. in my veins. Yeah. I can't. Uh, and so that's the stuff. It is. It is best without milk. It is best just purely bravely just putting that that bus on your mouth. Um, <laughs> uh, are there any Captain Crunch? I'm writing buzz saw in your mouth. Buzz on your mouth. Are and, there any Captain Crunch spinoffs that you're a big fan of? Not so much. I mean, again, the the Crunch Berries. Uh, okay, not so bad. Yeah, but, yeah. But the actually, I gotta say, the chocolate Captain Crunch that from the last couple oh, yeah. of years. That's actually the stuff. Like that. That's the kind of stuff I can sit there in my chair and just like scoop into it with my hand. Mm-hmm. I don't need a bowl. I don't need a spoon. I just kind of scoop into oh, it with my, ha- my hand and just cram yeah. it in my face. I, if yeah. I could make a recommendation to you here, yeah. If you haven't tried the sprinkled donut crunch, oh, that sounds good actually. It's very crunchy. It's sugary. It's tasty. 
Excellent. Yeah. Excellent, Captain Crunch. Spin-off. This is the God's honest truth: is that I live in Muncie, and mm-hmm. what's cool about Muncie is it's one of the uh, test market capitals of America. So I love going in the grocery store in Muncie because they will have the weird, crazy ass. Well, we cereal go to the grocery store in Muncie. Field field trip never see anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and you awesome. also live by Concannons. That's oh my God! Yes, I could just live it. It's a miracle I don't look like a Macy's balloon. <laughs> I go to Concannons as often as I can. How did how did you end up in Indiana? Because I know you're not from here. No, right? I'm not actually. My my girlfriend uh, was finishing up her doctorate at Ball State uh-huh. uh, and met her, and so I figured, well, I could live in Los Angeles, but I'm freelance. I can li- I can live yeah. anywhere. Mm-hmm. I can work anywhere. So you know, it became a sort of a you know long distance romance that just eventually became. Well, why not? I just living out here. Right. Do you like it? I do actually. I mean, it is. It, it, there's pluses and minuses. The, you know, the pluses are that. It's not crowded. The traffic is not bad. You can get anywhere in Muncie in 15 minutes. Right. Uh, as opposed to Los Angeles where it takes you an hour. Lunch with anybody is like the whole afternoon because it's mm-hmm. an hour to get somewhere. It's an hour back. The traffic is insane. Yeah. You know, the downside is that uh, the nice restaurant in Muncie is Red Lobster. So, yeah. you you know, I do. But the cheddar biscuits. I know, the cheddar biscuits. I know, <laughs> saying, but, but I'm just, you know, we were, you know, we go out for sushi. I'm like, it's it's good for a landlocked sushi. But it's, you know, but again, this is, I'm okay. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. It is It is a, I'm not used to that sort of small town living. I grew up in, in rural Alabama. Right. I grew up in the deep south. So it's been a long time since I've delved back into it. Because I've lived in cities ever since. But this is, uh, you know, this is a good experience. Do you, you ever feel- have... Yeah, yeah. Do, do you feel like it's less distracting being here, or are, is it more difficult for you to like keep up with things that are going on? Nah, because the internet, you can keep up with anything. It's actually less distracting. It, it becomes, you know, a lot. There's a lot less preying on my attention. Yeah. Right. Do you ever uh, have people come into your comic shop and they're like, uh, "Holy shit, Mark Wade is here!" Every once in a while, it happens. Yeah, exactly. They, or you know, I mean, I, I'm not actually in there as often as I ought to be. Part of that is because I spent a lot of time there when we first opened up. And what would happen without fail is that some customer would come in and then just start talking to me about Metamorpho for like an hour and a half. And, and, or telling me his Legion of Superhero story that he wants to pitch. And I'm sitting there and I'm staring at him. I'm trying to keep, I get the porcelain mask of excitement, I call yeah. it. Like the yeah. big smile, of, yeah. the frozen smile. But in my mind, like clocks are, pa- spinning clocks are passing yeah. calendar pages. And I'm like, I need to be home. I so need to be working. So what you're saying is if you're listening to this and you have a great pitch for a DC story, go to Ah Yeah Comics yeah, Muncie and ask for yeah. Mark Wade. Mark would love to hear he all about me it. To tell me all tell me in excruciating detail. <laughs> Your pitch for Green Lantern. You must have you seen uh, that scene from Parks and Rec with Patton Oswalt yes. filibustering? Yes, yes. Yeah. that's it, what it was. That's what. Imagine being on the other side of that. That's what sometimes being <laughs> in that store is like. Uh, I mean, mo- you know, ninety nine percent of our customers are awesome uh, and and they're great. But I so now I don't get in as often because right. because there's no way to get out sometimes. Right. But they also know, and this is true, that I, I, mean, I live five minutes away. So if somebody actually comes in the store, like it, it happens frequently where, like, a, especially a young kid will come in the store and they're like, I heard, you know, I heard Mark Wade is part of the store. They'll call me up and I'll, you know, five minutes away, I'll just drop everything and come in for a few minutes. That's awesome, man. That's, it's not that, you know, it's not that. I, I would, unbelievably considerate of you. I just, I remember, you know, if I had been like 12 years old and then, and somebody yeah. had said to me, like, oh, Neil Adams owns the store, and like, that would have been cool to meet some of my heroes. So. Yeah, and then we asked you to be on the show and you were like genuinely excited Genuine to come watch to come. Challenge yeah. of the Super well, Friends you, you did offer Captain Crunch. Yeah. So, and you well, gave we me, know and how to get the guests. My yeah. seri- my seri- you offered me my cereal of choice. You offered me my cartoon of 
choice, which yeah. is also very important. You know, it made me sit through like Adam Ant or something like that. So. <laughs> now, uh, I know about the process of how a comic book is made, and I don't know how many of our listeners do, but I want to ask, you probably work on comics now where you never see that artist in person. Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. Could that have happened 20, 30 years ago? No, it couldn't have because there was no internet. There was no, you had to live in New York to work in comics. You had to, you had to be there where you could hand the script pages into an editor where the artist could take those pages and he would come back with art boards and hand them to the editor. An intern would run them down the hall. Yeah, exactly. What's like the least amount of communication you can have with an artist? Like, could you like not even communicate over email? Could you just be like, here's a script? We can even, yeah, I mean, I, I deal with artists that don't even speak. English, I, you know, really. There, there are some guys, and you're dealing with an intermediary agent who translates for them. And I don't do that very often, but because you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Like you ask for a Zamboni, who knows what you're going to get back? You know? yeah. <laughs> um, or you know, there certain things just don't translate over. But hypnotic anger, right? Yeah. For instance, exactly. <laughs> um, there was probably a clever name for that, and it went through too many intermediaries, yes. and there was like, it's like a, it's an anger, right? Yes. Just. So that's a rage gun. That would have yeah. been a good one. So, uh, but yeah, that so that's the but conversely, you know, the most collaboration comes from like for instance, when I'm doing uh, Black Widow with Chris Somney, who's the artist there. We just get on the phone and we talk about the story, yeah, and then just you know jam that over the phone right. and. I'll write up like a page to send it to the editor just to show him that we know what we're doing. Like, yeah. Here's a synopsis. And then Chris will turn in like 20 pages of art. And he's he's figured out the cinematography and he's got the plot there and stuff. And then we just kind of goes from there. So I like that. I always say that comics is a collaborative medium when it's at its best. It's not my story as a writer. It is our story as a, as a creative team. Do you well, draw at all? Like, no. no thumbnails well, you, no. to give ideas? No. You must really gel with that guy. I mean, you worked with him on all of Daredevil, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys just click we by really now. We really just click. We, there's I mean, there are... And where does he live? He lives in St. Louis, in the outside, outside the St. Louis area. Mm. And so, yeah, there's, there's artists who you don't click with because they're not storytellers. There's a difference. There's artists can draw pictures, but storytellers can give you like, like panel-to-panel continuity and, you, and you, you, you can kind of tell what the story is yeah. without actually having to read the words. So the words are you know mm-hmm. adding dimension and adding depth and adding character. You, but, you don't have to have each character tell you explicitly exactly. what they're doing. And those right. are the artists you know, like John Romita yeah. and Jim, Jim, you know, Lee. Right. These are the people you know. Right, as opposed to guys. There are a lot of good guys out there who I've worked on projects with guys who are very good illustrators right. but they're terrible at communicating in picture what the story is. Yeah. There's a lot of just posing, mm-hmm. a lot of like, oh this would look cool if I drew this or oh I don't know how to draw this thing so instead I will just draw the character standing here. And those are the guys who, you know, you do your best triage with the dialogue afterwards to sort of fix it in post, if you will. But by and large, and again, they, and I've been doing this for 32 years. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry we made you come to that realization. I've been doing the older, I'm, my career is older than you guys, and uh, <laughs> and I, and so in that time, you know, I've been lucky enough to sort of be able to build up enough of a of a body of work where I get to sort of pick who I work with now. Oh yeah, like in yeah. The earlier days when it was sort of like just catch as catch can. Yeah, yeah. So I, I tend to stick with the Chris Sonnies, the Barry Kitsons, the you know the whoever that can really tell Peter Krause. Who I do insufferable with or yeah insufferable with uh, the guys who can tell a story. The guys yeah. they don't necessarily are not necessarily the flashiest mm-hmm. or most super hot commercial artists in the world. But I don't care. What I care about is whether or not we're telling a story. 
story. Is uh, Insufferable, is that based on some of your experiences in the shop with the pitches? <laughs> no. No, Insufferable, actually, my hand to God, Insufferable, Insufferable, the hot, the hot pitch on the Insufferable is, it's what if Robin grew up to be an asshole? It's like, what if what if Robin grew up to be a complete douchebag and hated Batman and was hmm. resentful of him and Batman is now his... his I think his, that's probably a pretty realistic... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that was the basic pitch. And so... But it was actually based on two comic book writer friends of mine who used to be like a mentor and student, used to be, you know, sort of teacher and, you know, master and student, whatever. And then the younger guy got an ego the size of a planet and they ended up hating each other. And so it was sort of like, I'm just going to use those guys as my voices. <laughs> uh, now, I mentioned the uh, the Daredevil series he worked yeah. on with Chris Somnia. Yeah. Like, first off, loved that series so much. Thank Very you. great. Uh, like, what? how fun was it to, like, take that character in, like, really new directions that people hadn't played with oh, that before? that was great. And that... then also talk about how... Uh, what does it make you feel like when you work on a character and then, like, right after that character is in a Netflix television show, right. a hit show, and now it's popular and everybody loves that character, yeah. like, and you're seeing so many new things done with it? What, how does that make you That's feel? That's great. I mean, like, it's, it's, it was less so the case with Daredevil. It was more the case with Flash. Because I mm. love that show. I love that. And one of the reasons I love that show is because they're like stuff that I invented or stuff that I created or ideas that I, that I put forth with my artists and stuff. Mm. That a lot of that stuff finds its way into the show. Yeah. And it's so cool. Like when I hear the word Speed Force <laughs> spoken through my television speaker, like I just light up like a Christmas it's tree. The, that's me. It's the adult version of what you're talking about with this cartoon show as you got to see the comic. It came from the page and now it's yeah. in motion on your screen. You get to create that on yep. the page and then get to see it come to life on your screen. And the God's honest truth is that with a lot of that stuff, because it's work for hire, because you're mm -hmm. working for major corporations back in the day, you don't you don't really get a piece of that financially. It's not like anybody sends me a check for Flash every month. I sure, know, I was, sure. It was work for hire. And some people have asked, well, when you created stuff like the Speed Force, when you created some of the other stuff that they use, like, do you get money for that? And I'm like, no, I don't really. And they're like, well, that's a shame. I say, you know what? Here's the thing. If I got money off of that, it'd be a few hundred bucks if I'm lucky. And I will not remember next month what I spent that money on, but I will always remember the moment that I heard the word Speed Force on my television. That's right, right. right. When that. you're writing it for now, you should do, like, Speed Force. Yeah. Just, exactly. Just put, put a little trademark sneak it in, and then yeah. and then have some yeah. of my lawyers after them yeah. because that would do well against Warner <laughs> Brothers. I'm sure they respect my lawyers from yeah. Muncie, Indiana. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. But what's it like uh, to take a character like Daredevil and like make these groundbreaking changes to it? It's look. You don't. Here's the thing. I don't. I don't think of them as groundbreaking changes. What I think of them as is you go back to roots. Right. You go back to ground. On these characters, you you figure out what worked back in the day in the earliest in the earliest days of Daredevil. He was a swashbuckler. Yeah, he was like an adventure character who was not miserable all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know and the miserable superhero is more of a recent. development. It's more of a recent development, and again, it's just and I get it. And you know what? That actually sells pretty well, mm -hmm. but and it's actually pretty popular. But I've it's, enjoyed it. But yeah. exactly. Yeah. But it's not what I do well. Like I mm -hmm. just don't. My issue with superheroes is that I, it doesn't mean you can't tell whatever kind of story you want to tell. And there's certainly room to tell dark, grim superhero stories or very adult-oriented superheroes. And I've done a lot of that, too. But when it comes to classic characters, especially ones who were created before I was born, yeah. my feeling is I don't want to hear your problems. You know, you can fly. 
shut up. Right. You know, all my diamond shoes are too tight. Really, you have a magic ring that can make anything happen. (laughs) Shut up. So, But I can't control yellow. I know, I know. (laughs) So with Daredevil, it was sort of like, okay, what was the stuff that I enjoyed reading growing up? I like... I like the idea that he, to me a hero is a is a character who can who can address his own internal problems and solve them. And it was clear for me for the last twenty years of reading Daredevil that this is a character who had serious depression problems yes. and serious darkness in his soul. I'm like, you know what? You either let that beat you down month after month, issue after issue, and you just get sadder and sadder and more and more miserable, or you do the heroic thing and get up one day and you decide I'm going to fake it till I make it. Yeah, I'm gonna. St- I'm, uh, you know, it's that old thing about how you know insanity is doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. and expecting different results. Right. That's Daredevil's life. Like here's 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 a thought. Maybe you get up some morning and you go, you know what? I'm tired of digging a hole. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that was that was really where that came from. And and a lot of that was personal stuff too because I've not been at all. You know, I've been very transparent about it. I've had issues with depression and so mm-hmm. forth in all right, my life. Right. And so, so you just bring that into the comic. You just and, and you you know you're kind of working out your own issues, but that's okay. Yeah, if I could tell a, a personal story, just Please. talking about changes, uh, I am a huge Andy Diggle fan. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love his work so much, and I met him in a convention once, and I was, you love Bullseye, and I love Bullseye, and I love the things you do with that character, and he, oh, you mean like I killed him? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and except told, you, you should say it with a British accent. Uh, well, I don't want to botch it, <laughs> but uh, he told a great story about how he, you know, wanted to kill off Bullseye, and Marvel approved it, and he did it, and then a couple months later, they were like. Hey, uh, bring Bullseye back. <laughs> yeah, and he wrote it, and he's like, "I don't like it." And then he just didn't do it, and yeah. they just—they never said anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just yeah. it slipped through the cracks, you yeah. know. And so, does that happen with like big changes? Sometimes, oh, constantly. They, yeah, yeah. I mean, Marvel's really good about not demanding big changes, but you also can every once in a while you get an order from on high, and you can sort of like go, "Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in the three or four issues," and then by the right. time you get there, if they forgot, it's all good. Are you familiar with this image artist slash writer named Ronald Wimberly? Yes, I just watched. Uh, uh, an interview with him yesterday, yeah. and he was talking about. Uh, do you know about this controversy he had about uh, a, a character's skin tone? No. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Jack was in there for this. Let me fill him in, and also you know people listening to. Uh, Jackie Cation interviewed him on her podcast yesterday, okay. and uh, he was working. I, I don't even want to try to guess what cast of characters he was working on, but uh, there was a character that was like half Latin American, half African American, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone from the studio saw the way he drew it and didn't like the character's skin tone and asked him to lighten it. Uh, That's, see... And he's a, he's a black see, artist. Here's mm-hmm. the thing. I will, and I'll find him and, and talk to him about this. That is one side of the story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the other side of the story is that an assistant editor who is being watched over like a hawk is trying to figure figure out what to do when several different people are coloring the same story yes. in different batches. And in this batch, this character looks a certain t- skin tone. In this batch, in Ronald's, it looks a, a different way. In this one, it looks a completely different way altogether. So for storytelling purposes, let's try to smooth that out so right. that the character is identifiable from mm-hmm. page to page to page. Um, I mean, I read his... His he made a online. piece out of he made that a piece out incident, and I understand where he was coming from, and I understand, but I also think that it was charged with a certain amount of perspective, of, a perspective yeah. that yeah. is not necessarily fair to the situation. Sure. I think mm-hmm. that I mean, I'm not saying he didn't have a point, right? And he felt very much like it was white privilege telling him that his skin color—he's not the expert on skin color, right? Mm-hmm. But 
I also work with these guys on a regular basis. I've yeah. been an editor for a long time and I've been in comics for a long time and it's there's more to it than that. There's right, a right. lot more to it than that. So Absolutely. I'm glad he got the notoriety out of it. I'm glad he got the attention out of it. I think he said some things that were important to say. Right. But I I think that there are there was there's more to that story than Yeah. Well an issue like that is so Oh yeah. Tangled. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about uh, about this film you're working on? Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, well, I'm working on is is a broad it's a broad term at this point. We'll make this the last thing. Exactly. It's, um, I did this book for a long time called Irredeemable at Boom Studios. Love it. Thank you. I'm, I, it's one of my favorite things. And I've incorruptible. Ever done. Loved them both. Thank you. It was basically the the tape. What if Superman were a jerk? What if Superman were raised by complete. Social reprobate sociopath and turned on everyone and turned on everybody. So, it, like in my mind, he was always the hero. In someone's mind, he was like, mm-hmm. he's not evil. He just grew up raised by sociopaths, and he has the powers of Superman. So, we did like thirty-seven issues and some specials. We did a spinoff book called Incorruptible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam McKay, who we know from The Big Short, mm-hmm. who we know from having written Ant Man, who's Will Ferrell's writing partner. Exactly, yeah. he has a big deal guy. I mean, he mm-hmm. almost won the Oscar. He was nominated Oscar nominated director for Big Short, right? And uh, long time SNL writer. Yes, and a huge fan of comics and uh, a fan of my work. I didn't even know he was a comic book fan. I didn't either, but I apparently used to go in the comic shop every Wednesday and he still goes from time to time and so they call me from Boom Studios. He said, you know, we we, we wrapped that series like seven or eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. But... So look, he's really interested in doing this as a feature film. That's so that you know, the boom is is still in. You know, we're still in talks to make sure everything is set in stone. And there's so many places in the feature film process where this can go completely off. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm not spending that money yet. You know, it's, it, yeah. it's, it If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, that's okay. But. That's the possibility of this thing existing is actually pretty cool. Well, Mark, I know you must be so busy putting that together. That's like a crazy thing. So we want to thank you for sitting down and talking with us. You bet. Our Twitter is flannel underscore cakes. I am. My Twitter is Mark Wade. It's that simple. W A I D. W A I D. M A R K W A I D. Anything else besides Twitter you want to pitch? Any upcoming events? Any work coming out? Uh, got a lot of work coming out. I mean, I'm still doing Avengers at Marvel, still doing Black Widow at Marvel, uh, doing uh, a book called Strange Fruit with uh, J.G. Jones over at Boom. Um, I like it's the still, name already. And Archie, doing Archie comics. is a blast. Doing Archie <laughs> comics is the most fun I've ever had in comics because... You're like, someone's paying me to do this? Somebody's yeah. paying me to do Archie comics? And they said, and they said, like, if you haven't followed it, they said, don't, like, we need it to be in the 21st century, please. We need it to stop being about, you know, bake sales yeah. and yeah. and you know and other things that don't exist anymore, and you know, uh, in high school, and bring it into the 21st century. And my first response, of course, was, I am 53 years old. Are you sure you want me to be <laughs> right. writing about Are teenagers? Are you the guy that brought in the LGBT character? No, actually, that was before, that was before my time, okay, but, okay. but using him right and left. Mm-hmm. I right, mean, I think right. it's really important to... to yeah. and, but we did immediately tr- diversify the cast. I mean, immediately... I didn't want to concentrate on just the five white guys who were normally in Riverdale: mm-hmm. Archie, Betty, Jughead, Reggie, and, and Veronica. Let's peel some of those characters off, the, come the back John to them Hughes later. Set. Yeah, and then exactly peel some of those characters off, use them later. But for right now, like integrate the cast a little bit more realistically. And like I said, I you know, I, on the one hand, it's an odd choice to ask me to write teenagers, but on the other hand, I don't. The way you contemporize that stuff and the way you make it. Realistic, quote unquote, realistic 
is you don't not by dropping in the word Snapchat, Instagram, you know, not by making yeah the the cool people buzzwords right no, exactly not making topical references to Justin Bieber or whatever, but instead remembering all the things that are a constant about being a teenager yeah. no matter what your age yeah. is. Like, everybody remembers their first kiss. Everybody remembers what it was like to be in school and screw up and all your friends think you're a jerk. Or, yeah. or, or how embarrassing it is to do something in school where everybody's looking at you yeah. and you feel like the world's ended. When you're a teenager, everything you ever do is the first time anybody ever did it in the world. Yeah, yeah. Every setback you ever have as a teenager is like the worst thing that ever happened and it's ruined your life. Right. Everything's opera. Everything is big, high emotions. So that's what you bring to the the Archie characters. You make it about real emotions, not just, you know, do I choose between Betty and Veronica? Well, screw that. They're not prizes to be won. Yeah. They're actual human beings. So it's not a love triangle between between three people. It is it is a very complex and and if I may say so, a fairly, you know, realistic and adult relationship between not adult but teen, genuine yeah. teenage romance not just again prizes to be won um, real quick for our listeners at yeah. home and anyone who's not into Cox if you wanted to introduce someone to your work what would you throw at them I would throw it at them I would throw at them Archie I would throw at them a, the best thing I ever wrote which is Superman Birthright it's a, it's an origin story for Superman set again in the 21st century like dragging him kicking and screaming out mm-hmm. of the 1960s and it's again Superman Birthright a graphic novel uh, single best thing I ever wrote I'm so glad we got those last two things yeah. at the end. Uh, my computer is telling me trouble alert, which means we're out of time. Okay. Yeah. So we got to move on. But... Or it could mean flood. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But seriously, Mark, thank you so my much pleasure. for doing Absolutely. this, man. It's great to have you.